Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with yet another relic reveal in our march to the chapel, Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. Cannot wait for this reliquary uh, to be built. Jay, I got a got a text message the other day. A buddy of mine says, "Hey, I'm in the second largest reliquary chapel in the United States after St. Anthony's, which is out in Pittsburgh." He sends me a picture. Let me tell you, I'm just gonna say this. It won't hold a candle to the beauty and devotional side of what we're going to have with our beautiful 27 relics, 26 of whom are saints. Oh, 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 spicy. But today's saint I love. I have a personal devotion to her. And let me tell you, there are a lot of lessons from her life that apply to our times. We are talking about the wonderful St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was born just two years before the American Revolution. In 1774, she was born to Episcopal parents, very staunch, very religious. She was raised in New York City, wonderful family. Um, sadly, tragically, when she's three years old, her mother, uh, her mother dies, and she's raised by her father. As Elizabeth ends up growing up in the city, she meets a wonderful man and marries him at the age of 19, Mr. William Seton. Elizabeth had a heart for the poor, though she was raised in a pretty prominent and wealthy family because her father was a doctor, one of the first medical, what was it, what was the title again in the Port J? He was one of the first health officials. Yeah, he was one of the first health officials in New York City, uh, all the way back during the Revolutionary War and right after. So she was somewhat prominent, used to a, a very wealthy life, but she devoted herself to the poor even at this time. She founded a society, an Episcopal society for for widows with young children, and they worked and served the poor. Kind of crazy thing. She would become that very thing uh, shortly after her marriage. So what ends up happening is Elizabeth gets married to this man. She starts living her wonderful life. They have five kids. They're raising their kids. She's doing all this charitable work and organizing and all this wonderful stuff. In this way, she's a lot like Mother Frances Cabrini in that she had a huge talent for organization and service of the poor and education. So as she's doing all this, uh, unfortunately, William, her husband, his father died leaving him this importing business. And it couldn't have come at a worse time for their economy, for the U.S. economy. And here's another way these lessons kind of apply to our lives when we understand how the saints navigate these horrible upheavals that they cannot control. So what happens is her husband's business, because of a war between the new French Republic and the UK and the US and all these disputes and all these ports getting blocked, the importing industry fell apart. And when that fell apart, uh, his whole business and their whole livelihood and all their money dwindled to nothing. Uh, eventually, because of all the massive amounts of stress, and I know many of you can relate to this, the massive amounts of work-related stress in his life rapidly declined the health of William Seton. And it made it even worse because at that time, New York City was undergoing a huge epidemic of yellow fever. And so the doctor said, listen, uh, you need to get out of here to a better climate. It's very common medical advice, right, Jay? Like back then, it was like, oh, you just need to go where the beautiful summer breeze is always nice. So he said, you need to go to Italy. So they literally sell every last thing they own, you know, silverware, everything, to pay for the tickets to sail across to Italy. And when they get to Italy, this is so sad. So they go to Italy for medical climate reasons. They get there, and because New York City had the ec epidemic of yellow fever, the Italian government quarantined them, put them in a tower for 30 days. Uh, Elizabeth would do, what would she say? She would do like prayer services and all this stuff just to keep her kids entertained. Can you imagine being locked into a tower for 30 days?
You imagine being locked into a tower for 30 days? You imagine being locked into a tower for 30 days? You imagine being locked into a tower for 30 days? The answer is yes, we can. Now we can absolutely imagine that. And what happens? Well, her husband's health under these conditions just gets worse and worse. And about a week after they're released, he tragically dies. So here is this young widow with uh, five kids. Two of her children would also die, I believe, of tuberculosis as well. Um, but in this time, they finally get connected with some family friends that were from Italy, and they were uh, a devout Roman Catholic family. And so while she is there, she was first exposed to Catholic teaching, Catholic life, practice, the Mass. But it was also there that she fell in love with the Church's doctrine of the Eucharist. And in the middle of all this, her heart was changed and transformed, uh, and she desired to become a Roman Catholic. So she's there for two or three years in Italy wanting to get back to New York, wanting to get back to what she knows, but fell in love with the Catholic Church. So she ends up coming back to New York. She becomes a Roman Catholic, and then poom, all a poom. I don't know what poom is. All of her friends desert her because they were, I mean, very anti-Catholic time back then. They were staunchly Episcopalian, and now she's Catholic. It alienated her from so many people, which happens even today from so many of our converts here at St. Anthony's. And so the, the struggle is real, y'all. And so she didn't know what to do. Here she is, a widow. She spent all of her money going to Italy and now trying to come back. She lost her husband. All of these things that are just overwhelming her. But but she is a trooper. The bishop in Maryland, from Baltimore, sees in her this wonderful spark of not just intelligence, but true, authentic faithfulness, and tells her, encourages her uh, to start a school. They would eventually donate land where the school would be built, and as she's building the school and assembling and gathering people, her sister-in-law, William Seton's sister, ends up converting to Catholicism as well and joining her. Well, the community starts to grow. So here is this mother who's a widow who's building a school, a convert, alienated from all of her past, doing this new thing in a new country, right? It's kind of incredible. And what happens? People are drawn to her. And as they're drawn to her and the school, they begin forming a community. Well, I mean, it's like crazy. It's like gangbusters, right? In short order, the school and the land there ends up opening an orphanage. You have all of these other things that kind of revolve around it. And she now has a community of women who are serving the church in a unique way. So they create their own sisterhood. There is a religious order inspired by um, the French St. Vincent de Paul sisters, known as the Daughters of Charity. So these women call themselves the Sisters of Charity. They adopt a rule of life, a whole way of praying and being. And Elizabeth Ann Seton takes vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. She would spend the rest of her days uh, building and advocating for the poor and the widowed and the orphans. And she would build this school. And that's why she is essentially the patron saint of Catholic schools and the Catholic school system. People like her and Mother Frances Cabrini, who would come shortly thereafter, really established this entire network of Catholic schools that preserved the faith of immigrants, especially coming over from Europe, all the way down to this day. So it's for people like her that we owe such a, a multi-generational debt of gratitude. Now, here's my little St. Elizabeth Ann Seton story. I love this woman. Uh, like I said, I was homeschooled, and my curriculum was St. Elizabeth Ann Seton home study. And so I began looking into the saint. I fell in love with her story. I love the fact that she's a convert. Me and my wife in January took a trip last year to New York City. I had never been, and we wanted to tour everything. But unfortunately, the reason why we took the trip is I was giving some talks in Long Island, which was wonderful. But after spending a lot of time at like Times Square and all this stuff, when we came back, we wanted to make a 
pilgrimage to uh, ground zero, right? So we wanted to go. My wife had been praying for a man who tragically died at the towers. Um, and the church that my wife belonged to at the time in St. Louis took every person's name, wrote it on an index card, and gave it to all of his parishioners to pray for the repose of their souls. And my wife had been praying for this man, uh, Takashi, for years. And so we got to go to the 9-11 memorial, and she found his name at the, I believe it was the South Tower, put her hand on there, and we prayed for this man. And uh, as we were leaving to try to walk back to our hotel, we saw this building that looked kind of epic. I thought it was like a Masonic temple. It was like solid concrete, very uh, Roman-esque style. And then we go and we look, it was the church that St. Elizabeth Ann Seton had her conversion in. It was the church that was like the parish church of all of New York City for a long time because Catholics were so marginalized and discriminated against. Of course, St. Patrick's Cathedral, because of kind of the circumstances at this time, is known as America's Parish Church. But here was this beautiful, simple, um, you know, simple church that is kind of at the center of American Catholicism at the time of the Revolutionary War. It was powerful to be in the same room that St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was in. Well, here's a beautiful thing about what we're doing with these relics. You and I are going to be in the same room with St. Elizabeth Ann Seton because her relics are coming to our church. Our chapel will become like that church for me in, in New York. It is going to be amazing how the communion of saints keeps reverberating the life of grace that these great witnesses lived. In fact, one of the reasons why uh, Elizabeth was canonized a saint, one of her miracles was they took her relic, a bone of hers, and they laid it on a man who was supposed to be dead within 24 hours. And in 24 hours, he was inexplicably and completely cured of his disease. Now, our beautiful Catholic faith is very physical. We have relics. We have these things, right? We do gestures with our body. We dip our fingers in holy oil. We have sacraments as well as sacramentals. Why? Because Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, became one of us. He, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He took on a whole human nature, not just a body, but all that it means to be human except sin. And so that's why in the Catholic Church, continuing the mission of Christ, it is a very physical thing. So he is the incarnation. We continue the incarnational life through the sacraments. They are powers that go forth from the body of Christ. And so brothers and sisters, I know these relics can be weird. For some people, they're like, you're bringing in bones of dead people? Yes, we are. There's a history. There's a path, uh, a past with all this stuff. But I need you to realize, more than anything else, this is, these are focal points of Catholic devotion. We are here to surround ourselves with such a great cloud of witnesses. Stay tuned. Now we're back on track post-Christmas. We are going to be releasing these videos every single week until um, we go through all 27 relics. 26 of them, Jay, are saints. Oh, When's the last one getting released, Gummer? I'm not going to tell you, but it's going to be Holy Week. <laughs> so what we are going to do through these videos and through this is make a time of preparation and pilgrimage. As Sue Doolin, a good old uh, clergy assistant, told me, we are going not on a journey but a pilgrimage because on a pilgrimage, you always are aware of the presence of God with you. That's our goal. That's our point. That's our purpose. So here we are. Uh, I will see you again next week with our next saint as we continue the relic reveal to Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. God bless you all. You know who next week is? Uh-oh.
Uh, Come on. His name is an alliteration. Uh, Come on. His name is an alliteration. Yes.